post-war austerity, certainly in the early years of the decade. David Jackson grew up in the town in the 1950s and shared with me some of his recollections of that time. It was a very different world compared to what it is today, with memories of the Second World War still very fresh. Many people's quality of life didn't really improve much between the 1930s and the 1950s. I always had this notion, it was my history bit that's naturally in me, as he, to be living in the 20s and the 30s, and even my grander, when I listen to my grander, mm-hmm. born in Roglin, 1876, <coughs> he, to be living in the past, and I realised that when I, he, living in the, he, my earliest memory, born in 46, but living in the, he, the early, I've got a good memory, for the early 50s, I was living in the 30s. Mm-hmm. It was the same way of life, and the life being hard. And tell me this story, Carrick, mm. I must explain this. My dad was never idle. My dad worked all his life. Good worker, a hard worker. But he was only a labourer. He worked in the building sites, East Cobrain things, before whites and after whites. He was twice in whites. And um, so, and my mother was a cleaner out in, out in the, the, the toffee houses. She cleaned mm. houses. So, it wasn't as though they, they didn't work. But even though they did work, everything was always tight it was mm-hmm. tight with everybody mm-hmm. but there's some people that I grew up with and went to school with that their daddies were unemployed or they, they weren't working or couldn't work or something mm-hmm. and had it a lot harder than me being truthfully I never went hungry in my life never we mm-hmm. were always fed earliest memory my earliest memory you know you know how you, everybody's earliest me- memory is something either good that they want to remember or something really bad mm-hmm. you know people have their earliest memories something that's traumatic yeah. so it's one or the other and my earliest memory is quite one you know there's a school called Tory Glen School you see and before Tory Glen was built 51, 52 um, that school was near there that land was all lying derelict and it was rather than Westmuir but the land belonged to Joe Camry Black Falls Farm which is a, was a farm down near the railway at, down the West End and that land, and my earliest memory is a wee boy, I'm not at school, I'm probably four, and I'm with all the big boys. But the big boys are 12 and 13, 10, 11, 12 and 13, and they're telling me, and I am in amid great excitement, there's a fire and there's totties in there and they're getting roasted and I'm getting one. Can you believe that? That's my earliest memory. And I'm looking up at them, and this big fella, Walt Stewart, said to me, Davy, you're getting a totty tea. Mm. Now, they all, because they were bigger, already had theirs, and the skin's gone black, and mm-hmm. it's black, yeah. and they've opened them, and the steam's coming out of them, and they're all... <coughs> and to me, it must have been heaven, and I'm waiting in mine. When am I getting mine? Yeah. And that's my earliest memory. That's all. My earliest memory. Before school... I went to the nursery in Chapel Street. It was the, the ex-West Parish Mans. You see? It was the ex-West Parish Mans. And um, it sat there. It had been converted into a, after the war, been converted into a nursery. Women went out to work. It was converted into a nursery. And in that nursery, there's uh, some fabulous wee stories and all. You look back and you realise, we get put to bed at one o'clock. We were only kids. Mm. We needed a wee sleep. I needed a wee siesta mm-hmm. and um, it was all army gear, ex-army gear. It was army blankets, dead rough, I didn't like them. <laughs> army beds, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. And another thing about uh, that was, um, obviously, we're talking here 1949, 50, 51, mm. before I go to school. I was in it about a year and a half, two years, and my wee brother, because my mother worked 
cleaning houses in the toffee areas, King's Park, etc. And um, we used to get taken up the stairs, and I remember this, it was a highlight, we get shown slides of Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. It was just slides on a white wall, on a, a whitewashed wall mm-hmm. in one of the rooms up the stairs. And as we kids, we'd sit in the seat and we loved the slides. Okay. And as simple as that... So that wasn't even a movie, it was just a slide? It was right? a slide. <laughs> it was slides of Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse, but it just still appealed to us. Of course, different of course. Things, yeah. you know. Wow. And, and, and that was before I went to school. Mm. You know, and saying that, while I was in there, I want to talk about this, I remember my mammy brought, brought me a present. I don't know whether it was Christmas time or no, but it was uh, 16 inches in length and a foot high, and it was a truck. But it was tin. It was a tin truck. You know, there was no such thing. The point I want to make here was this plastic thing hadn't been invented. There was no plastic buckets or plastic basins or plastic anything or mm. plastic trucks. Mm. It was a tin truck, a tin basin, a tin bucket. Everything was tin. This fabulous invention later on, a plastic, had never arrived. That in itself, that experience of early life, you Mm. know, that had a coldness about it and all. So that was what, 19... We're talking pre-going to school, so it's pre-51, it's it's 49, 50, 51. It's the earliest stages of this wee story. Good summers. The weather was nothing like it was today. How can... Everything that I'm going to say is going to Davy. How could this possibly all happen within a space of 60 to 65 years? I still consider myself at 71, I'm young. I feel young and I'm young. Uh, Yet, this this story, which is really worth telling, Mm. is how could the difference from then to now actually have happened with all this? Going through this to the way we live nowadays. That's the amazing point about this story. And, And good summers. As a kid... My mother is often as no throughout the summer cleaned tar off my brother and me's hands with butter. Yeah. We bit of margarine, margarine, no, margarine to clean the tar off. We would play with the, 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 the tar on the street, sitting in the pavements as we'd done, new cars yeah. in the bubbles and playing with tar. Good summers, tar on the road, bad winters, believe you me, fog. Every winter fog. As a kid, I hated the cold. I really couldn't take the cold. I really didn't have a link for the cold. And um, uh, things like wearing short trousers did not appeal to me. You know, and uh, uh, I was always cold. And we wore wellings in the winters and I had rings round the tops of my legs for the wellings and bare legs. And that's a a horrible memory to me. The fog. My dad, it was always big pots. Everything was cooked in big pots. Big pot of soup. A big pot of stew, everything for a big for a family was mm. cooking pots. And in that same big pot, my dad, in the, every winter without fail, he'd make a thing uh, for the fog to clean out our chests. Right. He would buy lemons and he would cut these lemons up, slice them up, and he'd boil water and he'd put stuff. Now, I think it was called cream of tartar. And he'd put cream of tartar and lemons into this and he would boil it up. And we would get cops in this, a ladle, and we'd get cops in this. And this is to clean up our nose. Sure, sevens, as you'll experience yourself, you know, we talk about the London fog, but this fog left your nose black and everything. Fog came down for a, a day, two days, and sometimes three days. I seen down the Burn Hill, when you come up Burn Hill Street, and the fork in the road goes left Newfield Place, right Westmere Place, and as often as no, I can remember cars going straight on and up in that embankment. 
because of the fog was so thick. Is that right? That was a regular occurrence as wow. a wee boy. I've yeah, seen yeah. that more than once. Goodness. Fog come down thick. Yeah. So it was good summers, tar, bubbles, sure, sure. and bad winters. No like now. Today, nowadays, eh, we don't have a good summer, we don't have a bad winter. It's bland. Right. It's basically the same thing all the way yeah, through. Yeah, there's no distinct uh, there's no, seasons now. There's no four seasons. No, but no. there was then. Mm. Why, how can that happen in mm. 65 years? Glasgow was still heavily industrialised in the 1950s. The smoke from factories, foundries and domestic coal fires combined with winter fog to create smog. This badly affected people's health and blackened the city's buildings. The smog problem disappeared with the eventual decline of heavy industries and the introduction of smokeless fuel for houses following the Clean Air Act of 1956, plus the gradual introduction of electric and gas central heating. I'm Carrick MacDonald, and you're listening to Halfway to Borough, the Two Towns local history show on Cam Glen Radio. In this programme, David Jackson is sharing with me some of his recollections of life in Rutherglen in the 1950s. I'd like to talk about coal fires, coal men, bricket men and chimney sweeps. Adding into that because uh, our bricket man stayed out of the back for me and he had polio, he had them calipers on, Bobby Bryceland, all his life. He, he, he couldn't walk properly, shuffled, mm. hence he was his own business, businessman. Our chimney sweep lived in my street, mm. John Young. This man stood four feet seven tops. What? <laughs> four feet seven tops, John Young. Mm. And he was an amazing wee man. And he was a lovely wee man. And he was a chimney sweep. But over and above, he'd done roof work. This man could put a bucket on his head, full of cement, and walk up a ladder, a 30 feet ladder, and walk across a roof onto a chimney head. And that didn't mm. move. Mm. And he could do it a dozen mm. times, a hundred times a day. And he was your chimney sweep. Mm. So my chimney sweep lived in my street. And my bricket man lived over the back from me. Mm. I'll tell you a good story about the bricket man later on. Mm. And then the next bit that I would imagine comes in is the currency. You know, these coppers, everything was coppers. Do you know that farthings didn't they, they were still being minted in 1954? Wow. You know, I can't see, I'd be telling lies if I sat here and told you I remember paying a farthing for something, mm-hmm. because I don't. Mm-hmm. But I know that for a fact I've had farthings. Yeah. They, mint, they were minted as late as 1954. So there were still farthings. The, 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 the currency, big halfpennies and big, big pennies. Big pennies. A regular occurrence for us was at the bottom of Black Falls Road in the west end of Rutherglen was the terminus. There wasn't any Tory Glen, so the bus hadn't any reason to go any further up Prospect Hill Road because there was no Tory Glen scheme. And even at the beginning when there was, the number two bus which ran down the Burn Hill and sat at the bottom of our road, that was the terminus, just on the main, on the main road, the terminus. But the reason for this story is this. I grew up as a kid and almost a daily thing. We had a gas meter and it took single shillings, 12 pence a shilling. My mum would send us down to the bus and they would get their five minutes break down there, 10 minute break. So you would run down there with all your copers. My mother would give me six pennies, 12 halfpennies or whatever, made up a shilling and you would ask the conductor of the bus who's sitting in the terminus, can you give me a single shilling? And I ran back, gave my mother a single shilling and then the dinner could go in. Because it couldn't go into we get that shilling in there to cook, to cook Goodness. the gas thing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Is that no something? That's amazing. Aye, and that was regular. Yeah. 
the ration books. You know, again, sweets were on the ration until February 1953. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a lot of sweets about when I was a wee boy. You know, um, he kind of, you done things to get sweets. Everybody, mm. everybody took back ginger bottles. And if you could get ginger bottles. We collected beer bottles. Mm. Everybody I grew up with, wee boys collected beer bottles. Mm -hmm. They meant sweeties, you know. So we took beer bottles into the pubs. Um, <laughs> that sort of thing. Aye, that was how we got our sweeties. Yes. You know, ration books and things were rationed. Mm. Food rationing was introduced at the beginning of World War Two. It lasted into the post-war years, eventually coming to an end in July 1954. This is a bit I find funny when I look back the day. You know, there wasn't a lot of fruit about. You know, um, I think it's quite uh, quite laughable nowadays how we're encouraged everywhere and every day of the week now. You must eat your five a day. You know, you yeah. might die if you don't eat five pieces of fruit a day or vegetables a day. We didn't see fruit. Here's a funny wee story. My mum's best friend, a lovely woman, Mrs Howitt, would come to visit us on a Friday night. My mum's uh, friend came on a Friday night. In these days, people went out their way for a wee spread and there'd be sandwiches made. Mm -hmm. But on a Friday, every Friday, my mum bought fruit. She bought what she could afford. Yep. One apple, mm -hmm. one pear, one orange, one plum, eh, eh, maybe some plum, no, no plums, mm -hmm. and bananas. And we were not allowed to eat any of it till my mum's friend left the house and really? seen that we had fruit. Really? <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and seen that we had fruit. Yeah. And after uh, my mum's friend went away, mm. as long as my mum knew, Sissy's seen that we've got fruit mm -hmm, anyway, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then we would get picking. And before, after seeing it away, my brother and I had both picked, I'm having the pear, <laughs> I'm having the apple. <laughs> yes, I know something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, how my kids and my grandkids and all mm. that don't know this. No so yeah. this is my story mm. about how... Mm -hmm. If I told you we played all the time in air raid shelters, then an air raid shelter, I think, is an Anderson bunker. Mm -hmm. You know, this, uh, what do you call it? Um, stuff that... Uh, uh, oh, corrugated cheating. Yes, uh -huh. Yes. Right. I'm not talking about that. I'm right. talking about bunkers. Over in Torrey Glen, there was an area that had... 30 or 40 bunkers and I played in them. You know, there is no houses in Tory Glen. We played in them as kids. Mm. They were daily. You went down a steel stairs to them oh. and it would be 30 yards long mm. so you could get 80 people into it. And they, we played in them all the time. But not just there in Tory Glen that <clears> there was 30 of them. I was 200 yards from a big factory called Nairnsies. Mm. Made oat cake, shortbread, etc. Behind Nairnsies there was a bunker. 100 yards down, that was in Kirkcart Street. 100 yards down from Kirkcart Street, there was a, the Catkin Laundry. And all the people, women in my area, worked in these factories. These were factories. And behind the Catkin Laundry, there was a bunker. I played in it mm -hmm. as a kid. So these bunkers in the 50s, these bunkers were still there in the late 50s. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Late 50s. Mm -hmm. I played in these bunkers, remnants of the war. I obviously born in 46, don't sure. remember the war. But the remnants, the bunkers. I also played in an area. In these days, kids, they had nothing. There had been a quarry many years before that was still there. The West Quarry, also in Cathcart Road. Cathcart Road's only 150 yards from me. And the West Quarry was there. It was owned by a man called uh, Thomas Watt. 
way back in the 1800s. Watch Quarry, they called it. Proper name, the West Quarry. There's a pub still today in Rutherland called the Quarry Bar. It's named after that quarry. It was in the road out to the quarry, you see. But in that quarry is where we played. It was a dumping. It had been converted into a dumping ground for a firm known as the Western Heritable, owned by Lord McTaggart. McTaggart mm-hmm. and Meikle, well known. Yeah. Kings Park, Crawford, eh, Cardonald and Hillington. Mm-hmm. That's where they built their houses. Right. And in that quarry, they dumped all the... When they emptied houses out, they dumped all the gas masks really? in their bags. Mm-hmm. You see? And they also dumped eh, eh, tins of... It's eh, always some... Um, they dumped wood and tins of paint and tins of putty. A tin of putty is a big tin, three right. feet high, 14 inch diameter, and putty for, they needed putty in ADs for putting in window panes and whatever. And they dumped all their putty tins and the lid of the tin and the, the, the pieces of the timber, wood, and, the, and paint. That was your entertainment. <laughs> See the, 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 the lid for the putty tin? Yeah. We painted them with the paint mm. and turned that into a shield. Oh, right. And we used these wooden sticks to make mm. swords. We yeah. cross on the yeah, top yeah. and a sword. <laughs> and we loved the potty. We played with the potty. And we played in there all the time. But the gas masks, we used the gas masks, the bags. Everybody went to school with a gas mask bag as a school bag, a khaki school bag. Really? Every kid yeah, in yeah. my primary had a gas mask bag. Wow. <laughs> so that's early memories, sure, you know. Sure, yeah. That's the end of the first part of our programmes about Rutherglen in the 1950s. I'm Carrick MacDonald, and you've been listening to Halfway to Borough, the Two Towns local history show on Cam Glen Radio. Thanks to David Jackson for sharing with us his recollections of life in Rutherglen in the 1950s, and to Zen Boyd of Rutherglen Heritage Centre for her help and support. The music was by Sugar Nifty. If you've got any comments on this programme or you've got some ideas for future local history programmes, please contact me by email history at camglenradio.org I hope you enjoyed that programme and that you can join me again next time. Until then, bye-bye. Sadly, David Jackson passed away unexpectedly on the 3rd of November 2020. David was the font of all knowledge when it came to the history of Rutherglen. A proud Ruglonian and a well-kent figure around the town, he'll be greatly missed. How do you look after your teeth and gums? Brush your teeth um, every, every time you wake up and at bedtime. Make sure you get like everywhere around your mouth, even the back of your teeth. If you kind of don't, then you'll have... To help keep your teeth and gums healthy, visit the dentist regularly. To register with a dentist, simply telephone or visit a practice in your area and ask if you can register with them. You can find a dentist near you using the NHS Inform service directory. You're listening to Press Pause on Cam Glen Radio. This is a programme that focuses on nature sounds to promote relaxation and mindfulness. For the next half an hour, you'll hear the sounds of Loch Fenneker in the Trossachs. <laughs>